on the show today. Rich and I discuss the new Top Gun movie, Grilled Slinky Dogs, and the Between the Sheets cocktail. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the July 11th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. Rich, it is that uh, time of year again. It is summer movie season. We did a show on this a little bit earlier uh, before we took a, uh, a little break for the holiday. And uh, one of those movies, the biggest hit movie so far this year, is Top Gun Maverick. And um, you got to see this uh, much uh, sooner than, than I had. I, it, it was only recently that I saw it. But I got to say, I love this movie. This is a movie that... Of course, Hollywood's going to take all the wrong lessons from, but it is a movie that feels <laughs> like a great 80s movie uh, done right. I loved that they did uh, almost all the stunts with pilots in planes. There wasn't a lot of CGI in this. Um, there was no message being pushed. You didn't walk out of this feeling bad about yourself. You just walked out of it thinking, damn, that was a good movie. I should go see it again. Um, and that's what I loved about it. Yeah, it was such a, a triumphant movie. It, uh, you know, we've discussed this at length. We we had very formative years in the eighties and it really took me back to that sense of optimism and just America is awesome feeling that we had during those years, which is even for, you know, a Top Gun movie is not what I was necessarily expecting. I wasn't expecting it to be woke or bad, but I mean, I came out of the theater, you know, practically pumping my fist in the air, just like, yes, like this is what it's all about. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it really was a pro America movie. And I kind of thought those were outlawed in Hollywood. Yeah, I did too. And of course, as with the original, you know, it's kind of a, a nameless uh, a nemesis that whose nuclear reactors were trying to destroy. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert there. Uh, but uh, it's very much a pro-American movie that shows men and women setting out to accomplish something against very improbable odds and accomplishing it. Yeah, I thought it was really great, and and the thing is, this wasn't a movie that anyone was calling for a sequel for. Um, I mean, there was some push for that in the 80s right after the original Top Gun came out in 1986, but Top Gun was such a great movie that when it was done, you were like, all right, that was great. But they made this movie almost, and and you've said this when we, we were talking about this off air, it's almost like Top Gun should have been. Yeah, I uh, it, to to make it very simple, I think the original uh, maybe appealed to women, if if we're able to define what a woman is, uh, <laughs> a little bit more. Although it was obviously a very uh, a movie that had cross sex appeal, you know, had so many dudes, you know, like wanting to become pilots after it. But with this the sequel, it, it felt very much like a, just like a kick-ass dude movie. And I honestly enjoyed it more than the original. And maybe 
there are any number of reasons. It could be that because there were so many good movies that came out during the 80s and there aren't as many now, so the competition is uh, not as stiff. But it just everything was done well. You know, the love story, you know, Maverick uh, having his triumph later in life. And it, even though it was a sequel, it, it, it was a very natural storyline. It didn't feel forced. It wasn't one of those where, okay, this is a hit. These characters are lovable. Let's just make up a plot to get these people back on screen. Instead, it was, a very good plot to go along with this iconic film from the eighties. I think you're exactly right. It was not a contrived uh, plot, which so many sequels are. They're just, you know, as you said, just get these characters back on screen, find a way to do it. Um, which seems like every sequel these days in Hollywood, um, this one worked. It worked well. There were nods to the original. Um, I thought Jennifer Connelly was fantastic. Uh, Tom Cruise looks like he did in 1986. He hasn't aged much. Like, it's pretty incredible. Um, he and Tom Cruise must go to the same doctor. But um, it, I, I thought it was just so well done. It was, it was an inspiring movie, which, again, not something you really see much of anymore. And, and we're not the only two who like this. I mean, this movie has made well over a billion dollars at this point. It is popular all over the place. And um, it is Tom Cruise's biggest film. Now, to say that is is a huge statement because he's Tom frickin' Cruise. Like, the man's been in everything. And this is now Tom Cruise's biggest film. Um, so I think that says a lot about it. I, I, I was really impressed um, at how well it was done. And, um, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. This, this is a movie I, I will own. I will go buy this movie when it comes out. I will buy a physical copy as we've had discussions on the show before I will buy a physical copy of this movie um, because I think it's just fun to sit down and watch this from time to time. It's just, it's a fun movie. Yeah. And the, the talent that Tom Cruise has around him. So Christopher McQuarrie was involved with Maverick and Christopher McQuarrie is a brilliant writer, uh, Usual Suspects, Way of the Gun, which I rewatched this week uh, with news of James Caan passing. And so he's also involved in a lot of the Mission Impossible. So there's just an incredible amount of talent behind the scenes that went into this to make it so good. And then even little things, you mentioned this nod to the 80s, and I have to mention that I read a story that Kenny Loggins actually re-recorded Danger Zone in surround sound. Now he did it 5.1, but he recorded it, re-recorded it in surround sound for the movie, but they opted to go with the original stereo mix to keep that continuity from the original film to Maverick, which just such a, a thoughtful approach when you're down to that granular level of, I'm going to keep the stereo mix rather than going for the updated, you know, new mix to, uh, to again have that continuity and just it, it you can tell as you mentioned the stunts there was just so much work and good work that went into making this movie and hopefully you're wrong and hollywood does not learn the wrong lessons from this although they will <laughs> <laughs> look i am happy to be wrong here i am happy to be wrong and for hollywood to learn all the right lessons from this movie but i am positive they won't um now, it's, uh, of course, it is summer, being that it's summer movie season. You recently made a kick-ass dish 
that uh, I want us to talk about on the show now. You made something called Grilled Slinky Dogs. And uh, I have to be honest, whenever I hear Slinky Dog, I think of Toy Story. Um, <laughs> but um, these look fantastic. We'll have pictures for it. Uh, you can go to coughingcoshawn.com and see all the, the pictures. And uh, we'll have a recipe and everything. But uh, walk us through, for everyone who's doing grilling at this time of year, walk us through Grilled Slinky Dogs. So... This is not some revolutionary thing. Uh, I I don't want to oversell it here, but I I had some leftover hot dogs from the 4th of July, some uncooked hot dogs. And every now and again, you'll see recipes online for hot dogs. And for the most part, it's just, no, you just cook your hot dog. You, You don't put that much effort into it. But I decided to spruce it up a little bit just because eating is not just about the meal, it's about the process of getting to the meal. And because hot dogs are so easy, adding a little bit of complexity to it made it more rewarding in the end. So instead of just, oh, it's we're having hot dogs, it's we're having slinky dogs. And what makes them slinky is you'll take a paring knife and take your hot dogs, and I I used uh, some Nathans, and you will cut... uh, about halfway, three quarters of the way through your hot dog, you will make incisions all the way down. And you don't stop there. You'll also take some softened butter, uh, use some barbecue rub, a little garlic powder. You could add hot sauce or barbecue sauce if you wanted. And you're going to mix that with the softened butter and you're going to smear it on the dogs so that all that butter and seasoning gets down into those crevices, into those slits. And scientifically what's happening is you're getting more surface area to get a little bit more texture from the grill. And as they cook, because of those slits, the dogs will kind of curl. And so it has more of the the slinky appearance. And uh, they're good. I mean, like I said, it's not like you're going to serve this at a fine restaurant. It's like, no, no, this is not a hot dog. This is a grilled slinky dog. I mean, it's still a hot dog, but it's just a fun way, like I said, to add some intentionality to a kind of pedestrian meal and also a way to have fun with something as food prices are skyrocketing. I think all of us are thinking more about, you know, well, I'll I'll just have a peanut butter sandwich. I'll just have a hot dog because everything's so expensive, but there's still ways to, to juice these things up and make them more rewarding. You know what? And I think that's a really good point, Rich. And that's one of the things I want to talk about. Um, as we, we live in Biden's America now where everything is more expensive. Um, hot dogs are really making a comeback because they are, are cheap, efficient and, and everybody loves hot dogs. I mean, who doesn't love a hot dog? Um, but this is a great way to sort of showcase your dog a little bit differently. And, um, for kids, if you have kids in the house, this is a great way to sell them on hot dogs again. Like, hey, didn't, didn't we have hot dogs the 4th of July? Yes, you did, but you didn't have slinky dogs. Um, that's a great way to, to, to do this, and I think it's really fun. Um, talk about the, the cooking process for these. Do, do they cook uh, any differently on the grill because they of all that increased surface area and the, the slits down the middle? So you, if, if you like your hot dogs the correct way, which is with a little bit of char on it, then it definitely adds a little bit more char to it, a little bit uh, more of that, uh, not crunchy. Now, I don't, I don't go full on burned on mine, but a little bit of crunch, a little bit of texture. Uh, also, cook them indirect 
because that butter and everything is going to want to flare up. So you don't want to have that uh, directly over the fire. So cook them indirect. Also, I've now cooked these twice. Once uh, just to try it. And then a second time because, hey, it's a hot dog and I needed pictures. And the second time I actually cooked them on a sheet of foil since I was cooking them indirect. This is an unnecessary step, but one that I mentioned because there is a butter on them. You know, you're smearing butter on them before you cook them. So it keeps that butter collected so it doesn't drip down and get into your grill and create a mess. So that's up to you. I, I know people have different uh, tolerance for how much grill cleaning they want to do, but I prefer to keep it minimal. You know, I clean my grates and everything, but I don't enjoy getting inside and scrubbing grease out of the inside of my grill. That's interesting. I think it's a great way to showcase a hot dog. Um, and you can still cover it with mustard or ketchup or relish or whatever you want to, when you're done, um, whatever your kids put on hot dogs these days. But, um, I, I personally like, like some spicy mustard and maybe some sauerkraut, but, uh, that's just me. Um, uh, let's go out with this. You have a cocktail for this week that is a great nod to the 80s, the Between the Sheets. Talk about that. So the Between the Sheets was not invented in the 80s. It was actually invented in the 1930s. It's kind of related to the sidecar. And it's a very simple, easy-to-drink cocktail. And for those who don't remember, the 80s were uh, very much about consumption, so a lot of day, <laughs> day glow things that you could drink quickly, drink a lot of, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, things like the Long Island iced tea. And also the 80s loved sexual innuendo, uh, the, the slippery nipple or the uh, the uh, Alabama slammer or, uh, you know, uh, other such cocktails. This one, and that's probably where the between the sheets because of the innuendo why it, it had its heyday in the 80s. And it's a simple one. You'll take equal parts, white rum, cognac, and then orange liqueur. I used Cointreau. And then recipes are all over the place for how much fresh lemon juice to use from an equal amount to somewhere like a, you know, a sixth of a tablespoon or something like that. I honestly didn't measure. I I squeezed half a lemon into my shaker. So you put the the rum, the Cointreau, and the cognac into your shaker with the lemon juice, shake it up real well, and then put it into like a martini glass or a coupe glass or something like that. And back to the easily drink, easy to drink part, it is one that is very easy to drink. So just a re- reminder, it's a fun one, but you're starting off with probably at least three ounces of liquor in a glass. So, you know, you did. <laughs> so, so take it easy. Take it I easy. So one. if you have this and the slinky dog, you've just got to watch yourself. Yes. <laughs> Don't go Things getting in any well. F-18s with Tom Cruise because you might lose your lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No going, uh, no Mach 10. <laughs> Which reminds me, we should come up with a cocktail called the Mach 10. We should do this. Yes. <laughs> All right, Rich. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Brad.